This is Sports Talk with Phil Cordblue, Chris Bergen, and Pat Daniel. Sports Talk is heard across the state on radio affiliates of the Sports Talk Media Network and is streaming live on SportsTalkSE.com as well as Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. The South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number to call in is 888-898-2525. That's 888-898-2525. Now, here are Phil, Chris, and Pat with tonight's edition of Sports Talk. All right, welcome in, everybody. Talking Tuesday here on Sports Talk, Sports Talk Media Network. So happy you're with us. Phil Kornblut, happy to be here again for another day. Uh, Pat Daniel, happy to be here. Chris Bergen, happy to be here. I say that because we're all three battling, bravely battering, battling a variety of germs and um, illnesses. <laughs> That's that's uh, you know taking us for a ride. That's why we're happy to be here for another day, and we're glad you're you're with us, and hopefully you're happy to be with us for another day on this election day, 2022. I always love election day. It's the one. Of course, I voted last week, but anyway, it's that one at one time when you kind of feel like you own the people in government and they don't own you. It's that one brief moment where you kind of feel like you're mine, and uh, I'll decide if you stay employed. Or not in the future. It's a great point. Do you always early vote? If I can, yes. Okay. Because Tuesdays are talking Tuesday news right, conference right. days, and I'm always, I mean, for I don't know, almost forty years, I've been at news conferences every Tuesday on election day, and it's either get in line at six in the morning and go and vote, and then go or try and get it in at. And presidential elections are especially tough because no there's so many more people voting than there are during the midterms, but. Anyway, hope everybody enjoyed Election Day, and we'll see what happens with everything tonight. How are you feeling, sir? I'm hanging in there. It's uh, I've got a terrible head cold, and I normally get one uh, usually in the fall and then again uh, in the springtime, tail end of wintertime. And it's it's fun, as you well know, in our business field to have a, a hoarse voice, a, a cough, that type of thing to do what we do here on Sports Talk. It's even more entertaining to try and do a basketball broadcast with a hoarse voice and a hacking cough. So well, that's always a lot of fun. And especially a broadcast that has all the drama of uh, drowning a worm. I mean, what was your final score last night? Uh... Uh, it was know, one so something funny. to it was thirty nine, something. Wasn't it was nine. No, that was actually the uh, South Carolina women's. Oh, and uh, I was final at score. that game. Yeah, that was one one to thirty one. Uh, Coastal actually won last night. Uh, I think it was ninety seven to uh, forty three. Okay. Was the final score? They led at halftime fifty to sixteen, and that was not anywhere close to the most lopsided game I saw last evening involving Sun Belt teams. Mm. I think it was Appalachian State scored eighty some odd points on some dude named Warren Wilson last night. Oh, Warren Wilson out of North Carolina. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they uh, they beat up on him pretty badly, and uh, so yeah, the, the first game or two of the regular season is drama is not part of the uh, the equation. Though no. I did see who was it TCU got pushed to the limits last night. Actually, I almost lost their game. Yeah. But other than that, I didn't see a whole lot of upsets last evening. Well, I made it over to the USC women's game uh, because they didn't tip till 8.30 because of the ceremonies and uh, ESPN televising it, so they delayed the start of the game. So I got there early first quarter. And, of course, they'd already by the time I got there, it was 20-something to 6. And uh, they show out. You know, they were supposed to be playing BYU, but we all know that right, game got right. canceled. 
And so East Tennessee State was a late ad. The new coach at East Tennessee State, who'd been out of coaching, she'd been the head coach at UNC Asheville, and she'd been out of coaching for a few years now. This was her first game back in coaching, going against this this Goliath. And, and the Gamecocks are Goliath. Boy, they're good. They just they are just deep. They're talented. They're tall. They're long. They're lean. They got guards. They got. I don't have to sit here and tell you they got pretty much everything that you need. So they're going to be hard to beat. I mean, they might drop a game or two. It's basketball. You're going to lose a game or two. And, well, they'll uh, find out, you know, fairly early because they've got Maryland coming up on yeah. Friday, mm-hmm. and then they head out, and they've got Clemson, and then they go out to the West Coast, and they've got uh, a matchup at Stanford, which will be a really, really good challenge. But when Dawn Staley held her preseason press conference last week, and I noted it in the uh, story we put uh, posted at SportsTalkSC.com, she actually made the comment that this team – has the potential to be better than last year's team. That's a scary thought for everybody else in women's basketball. If if the Gamecocks this year are better than they were last year, mm. good grief. Well, I mean, the newcomers are are really good. Um, I think they've got more depth even in the post position with uh, what's what's her name? Watkins is that her name? The new the the big girl, the the high school standout. Um, I don't know all the players yet on the team, mm-hmm. but I'm you know the kid from Columbia who could dunk. I think it's Watkins is her last name. I think. Um, anyway, they're they're deep at, at practically every position, so they're they're going to be fun to watch, and no reason not to think that they can't win another when they got their rings last night. And um, Dawn Staley has got it going, and she's a uh, a great coach because. Uh, she now attracts great players. Let's face right. it, you know, great coaches have great players. You don't win with donkeys. You, you win with thoroughbreds, and that's what she has got a team full of that. All right, so. You're referencing Ashlyn Watkins. Yes. Mm-hmm, yeah. The 6'3 freshman, yep. Yeah. All right, so on to other things. So uh, Pat went up to Clemson today since I had a family uh, event back in the hometown. I want to congratulate my brother, who's much older than I am, who was named the Citizen of the Year. In oh, nice. Latta, South Carolina. Did so he get the key to the city as well? I think he already has the key to the uh-huh. city. He's already. Latta's actually unlocked, so anybody can go in. It's not a not a matter of having to unlock it, but congratulations to my brother, Harold Kornblut, for winning that award 30 years after my father won it back in, um, I think, 1992. I think that's the year. Presented by the Latta Rotary Club, the only Rotary Club in the world that has a a, a, a building they have a, their own building that sits on a city block that's the only rotary wow. club in the world that has its own building that sits on a city block of course a block in Lada is not particularly large <laughs> sure but it, it does count for a block so anyway i was tied up with that today so that was a lot so of fun so in 2052 you'll get that honor. i'm the lone remaining male member of the immediate family who hasn't <laughs> won that award so and I, I think you have to pay taxes there and actually live there to 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 qualify. That probably would help. Yeah. So anyway, uh, Pat made the ride up the hill today to Clemson, uh, and you were going to be in Columbia till you got shut down. But you monitored and covered um, virtually the the I Bamer did. deal. So let's start with Pat. Um, and I've listened to both press conferences, all forty minutes of Dabo and all thirty minutes of Beamer, so I can throw in a little something just from listening. But Pat, you made the trip up there. What was the mood? among the Clemson folk coming off their first loss of the season? Well, I'll tell you, you're, you both are familiar with the Clemson graveyard they have right outside of the practice facility where it's become a Clemson tradition when they beat a ranked opponent that they uh, uh, set up a new tombstone for them, mm-hmm. in particular on the road. Yeah. 
Well, I, I mentioned that because this press conference, I say this somewhat tongue-in-cheek, but also somewhat seriously, felt a bit, a little bit more like a funeral um, than it was a press conference. It was very, very gloomy. Dabo Sweeney, he may have been dealing with it. He didn't say it, but I think he may be dealing with a bit of a virus or some kind of something like, like the three of us are. Like everybody seems to be right now dealing with some kind of illness. Um, but he was not his normally normal jubilant self. He was very monotone. He was very matter of fact. He was just kind of going through, going through the motions. And I don't mean that as a negative against against Dabo. I mean that more as just kind of the sentiment in the building. Like you could tell they were very deflated. They they are I don't want to say broken, but but kind of defeated after this past weekend. Uh, the most excited that he was throughout the entire press conference was about a ten to twelve minute speech he went on about former SID uh, Tim Beret getting engaged over the weekend. Yeah, he I got to say something about that. Yeah, please go ahead. Because I didn't know that until I heard in listening to it. So congratulations. Yeah, big time. To uh, Tim Beret, who I thought would never uh, get hitched, but uh, fantastic. That's great news for him and uh, wish him well in, in the future. Um, his Can you imagine future how professional... wife is a Gamecock, by the way. She's a oh. Gamecock yeah. grad and a Gamecock fan, but Somehow they put up with one another and and their their particular uh, fandom and it, and it's worked out well. So congratulations. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, you're fine. Big time congratulations to them. Of course, we need to make sure to mention that. Um, and you could just tell how excited Dabo was for his at this point long long time friend Tim Beret. He mentioned they've been working together twenty plus years at this point, and I think they also s- thought similarly to you that he may never get married. A lot of us like to joke with him that he is the king of stat of the stat nerds. Mm. He any random factoid or stat statistic about college football, not just Clemson, he he, he knows them. He he would be the absolute best person to have at trivia at a bar or something. But anyways, I digress. So, but that, my point is that was the most excited Dabo was throughout the entire press conference. Um, so it just felt almost like they were somewhat defeated. But he did mention throughout uh, defensive end Xavier Thomas. We had already heard the unfortunate news yesterday, the update that he rebroke that same foot. Sounds like the same bone uh, was not quite healed and and rebroke that at practice. He said it was just while backpedaling or doing some fairly regular drill. Um, But at this point, that Xavier Thomas has actually been the one being the encouraging one between he and Dabo. Dabo said that he thought he'd be having to keep Xavier Thomas's head up, but instead it's been the opposite. Xavier Thomas is very... um, He's a very spiritual young man, and he seems to be talking about how everything happens for a reason. God makes mo- no mistakes. And he does still have a red shirt. If he, ch- if he so chooses, he could come back to Clemson next year, or he may decide to move on and, um, and go ahead and go to the NFL Combine and try to go to the draft. He also updated wide receiver Bo Collins, who is week-to-week. He is confirmed out this Saturday against Louisville with a separated left shoulder. I made it a point to ask Dabo if that was the same shoulder that he injured back in fall camp. Uh, he was not quite sure right right there off the cup. Appreciated that honesty. So not sure if it's the same shoulder or not, but Bo Collins is out this week. Um, Dabo also was was not really able to offer any explanation as to why the team came out with such li- so little intensity for such a big game this past weekend up, up in South Bend against Notre Dame. You would have thought, especially coming off a bye, they'd be rested, they'd be energized. But it just seemed like I mean, we all saw the same game on TV. I mean, Notre Dame dominated all facets of that ball game. Uh, then he spoke at length about quarterback Malik Cunningham of Louisville, who they will face this weekend. He made it a point to talk about how other 
mobile quarterbacks, in particular Garrett Schrader, was able to run for, I don't have it in front of me, but at least 60 or 70 yards against the Tigers a couple of weeks ago when Syracuse nearly upset Clemson in Death Valley. And Malik Cunningham is, Garrett Schrader is good, Malik Cunningham is great. Mm-hmm. He not only has a good arm and can beat you in the air, but his escapability in the pocket is outstanding. And even when Clemson has been able to get pressure, one thing that they do struggle with and have for a number of years now, even in the Brent Venables defense years, is mobile quarterbacks tend to have a way about them. Mm-hmm. Uh, we saw Lamar Jackson do it for years against against Clemson. And then Dabo did his best to put a, a positive spin on the loss at Notre Dame. He mentioned how throughout his tenure, every time they've lost a game, they then rebound, and they see that as a new opportunity opportunity to start a new streak. The last time they lost a game, they then went on this 14-game winning streak that, of course, just ended Saturday. Uh, But he talked about how this is just a new opportunity for a new beginning, and they are just putting that behind them. But, uh, again, I just feel the need to mention it was a very, I don't want to say negative, but it was a very kind of downtrodden feel up there today. Well, a great uh, report on your your part, wrapping it all up. And, uh, like I said, I listened to it, and there was about, like you mentioned, a long segment there. It got a little preachy. I thought we had um, Mount Dabo. We were climbing up Mount Dabo there for a little while because he had to remind uh, Clemson fans near and far that you can lose a game. It's allowed. The world doesn't end if you lose a game. I know you want to win every game. Everybody expects you to win every game. There's no excuse for ever losing a game. But it happens. And he cited the various winning streaks they have had. And he cited – the various times that they've lost a game, they've come back and put together winning streaks. But, you know, he was a little little bit to, on the sensitive side, I think, about some things he might have been hearing. He doesn't, he doesn't claim to be a social media person. He doesn't tweet and all that stuff. But you know it gets back to him. He knows what's on the message boards. and You know, he's got people feeding him information and telling him what people are saying out there. Uh, he got people taking the temperature of the, of the fan base. And I don't think he appreciated the fact that, you know, some segments of the fan base were like over the top pissed off Mm -hmm. over this loss and and the performance as if Clemson can't lose and Clemson can't play poorly and Clemson can't be beat and Clemson can't be handled by somebody as they were Saturday up at Notre Dame. And he's like, he took exception to that, I think, and was like, you know, we're not, we're, as he said, we're people, we're people, our coaches are people, our players are people. Uh, and you're going to lose sometime. You're going to have a bad day. You're going to have a bad outing. That's what he kind of summed it up as. It was a bad day. It was a bad, bad outing. It was a bad performance. It was bad coaching. It was bad playing. It was bad execution. It happens to people. And uh, I don't think he appreciate, appreciated the the very <clears throat> minor but somewhat loud segment of the fan base that can't accept losing. Phil, I will tell you, and a lot of us have heard it. We all live here locally. We all have friends who either went to Carolina or to Clemson. So we have certainly heard uh, from various people. If you are going to have the, one of the biggest mantras that you repeat over and over for your program is best is the standard, then when you're not playing at the best, you will get criticism. And I think that that is perfectly fair. Mm-hmm. If, if you are going to ha- tell your fan base to expect the best, when they don't see the best, they are going to criticize. Well, I think to add to that point, Pat, is um, if they had, and Dabo actually laid the foundation for that comment today back on Saturday in the postgame because he, he referenced his fan base and 
Clemson Nation and Tiger Nation doesn't accept losing all that well and will get a lot of criticism for this. And I think had they lost to Notre Dame, say, 35-32 on a late-second field goal, I don't think the fan base would be anywhere close to as upset as it is. Mm-hmm. I don't think they're upset about the program. They're upset about the performance. And they were lousy. There's no I mean, Demo said, said as much. I mean, they were lousy. And that's what's gotten them upset. And I think it was the lopsided manner in which they lost. And Clemson's, let's face it, their margin for error is a lot slimmer than a lot of the other elite programs around the country because, fairly or unfairly, they play in the ACC. And, the, and Clemson fans know this. I'm not telling them anything they don't know. But I think the way and the manner in which they lost on Saturday is why most Tiger fans are more upset at, rather than just a loss. Yeah, everybody loses a game. Rare to go perfect. But the way they got manhandled, I think, is the bigger problem. Yeah. All right, quickly, uh, your take on what Shane Beamer had to say as you were monitoring that as he had a little bit of a different weekend, getting a win at Vanderbilt, now eyeing a very tough close of Florida, Tennessee, and Clemson and trying to get everybody healthy, trying to get Marshawn Lloyd back in the lineup and knowing that he's lost to Spalding, David Spalding for Mm -hmm. the season, an already thin secondary, B.J. Gibson, Probably not going to play based on what he said today. My take is he's probably not going to play again. You know, Beamer uh, never really is, uh, in, in my in my mind, straightforward when it comes to talking about the status of a player health wise. You know, his, his worrying is always a little more encouraging when he says it than I think the actual situation is, which is why so many uh, players that he talks about being questionable or. Uh, feeling okay right now. Don't play when when game time rolls around, you know. Uh, but anyway, could be without B.J. Gibson this coming Saturday. Another safety would be out. So what would you take away from what he had to say? Well, and he talked about Marshawn Lloyd since you're going to uh, reference the injuries, and they've got to find a way to get him back on the field. There's no question they're going to need him for this stretch run. And he was asked, it's funny you bring up the uh, final three games of the year, he was asked about the Orange Crush theme that always seems to uh, follow and culminate South Carolina's season, and he was asked what his impression is of Orange. Hmm. He had to remind everybody, well, you know, I went to a school, Virginia Tech, that maroon and orange were our colors. I don't have a lot of orange in my wardrobe, but I do have a pair of sneakers that I wear every now and then that has a little orange uh, theme to that. So he said, you know, it, it's a big opportunity for his team the next couple of ball games because, yeah, they could go 0-3, doubtful they could go 3-0, and but if you go 2-1, and well, that puts them in a really, really good position to springboard moving forward. But he's terribly concerned, as I'm sure everybody is over there, about uh, the ability of Anthony Richardson, the uh, quarterback at Florida. Uh, he was asked, you know, what, what sort of separates him from other quarterbacks you have seen? He says, well, his size stands out, his speed stands out, he, his arm strength stands out. He said, I, I don't know, you know, how, the 40 times of everybody else on that team, but if anybody's faster than Anthony Richardson, that could be scary. Mm. So uh, I, I think they understand the uh, the challenge. And he was pushed on, you know, why couldn't you stop the run against Vanderbilt? And he said missed tackles were part of the big reason as to why they could not stop the run. And they've got to tackle better, obviously, and make sure in particular they get to Anthony Richardson and get him down on the ground. And uh, he, he knows Billy Napier. I, I got the sense he's sort of crossed paths with him on occasion, m- more so when he was at Clemson than anywhere else. And he's got a lot of respect for him. And he was also asked, all right, are there any possibilities that the game might move on Saturday, maybe earlier in the day, later in the day, because of the uh, tropical storm that's about to become a hurricane 
and make landfall in Florida at some point in time, probably tomorrow. And he said, as best they know, the game is still set for 4 o'clock because the weather down there should be much, much better by Saturday. Yeah, I asked Ray Tanner last night at the basketball game if he would be talking to the folks at Florida about that. In fact, he told me he was going to talk to the AD there today just to touch base with them, kind of get their take. But his feeling was everything would be clear for them, and he did not foresee any likelihood of a change in the game time or anything mm-hmm. like that. So, all right, yeah, my take on the Beamer press conference from what I listened to was you know, basically about what you said there. Got to get better on the defensive side, tackling, fundamentals, things like that. Um, would love to have Marshawn Lloyd back, but he didn't do much in practice today either. All right. And they'll find out more on him a little bit later, but they'd like to get him back. Um, feels like um, mentally-wise, they're in, they're in pretty good shape. They've got a chance to win a, you know, another game or who knows. I mean, you, as a coach, you think you can win all three mm-hmm. going in. You got the He pointed out that they have secured their bowl bid, unlike many teams in the country that are still sitting underneath the cut line for uh, being bowl eligible, and that's a great feeling. They don't have to sweat that out. Now it's just a matter of winning some games and improving their – their bold status. Speaking of, you know, reading some stories last night and then uh, being told some things last night as well, uh, I saw one report by Brad Crawford, I think it was, uh, 247 Sports, that the Gator Bowl might be in play for South Carolina if they win a couple of more games, that the Gator hmm. Bowl would be very interested. As it was explained to me last night with the SEC situation, so – Let's say the SEC gets two in the playoff, and the newest playoff rankings come out tonight, by the way. And, in fact, Gary Stoken, the president and CEO of the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl, is going to be with us at 7.15, right after the rankings come out. How about that for time? Very cool. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. So we got him tonight along with the two head coaches. But let's just say the SEC has two make it to the playoffs, which I think is still a very strong possibility. So that's two out of the 14. And then you look at, the next level of playoff selections, you could or should have three SEC teams go there. So that's five out of the mix. It's possible you'll have two, maybe three not qualifying. Uh, let's just say maximum of, let's say three. Arkansas could, I mean, what's Arkansas? They're they're five and three right now, I think. They, they've been on a slide. I mean, let's just say they don't get there. Let's say there's three. That's eight teams out of the mix. So that's four teams. Yeah, they're five and four. Okay. Uh, they're probably going to win a game and qualify. So let's say two. That's seven teams out of the mix. So you got um, you got five teams left to fill the remaining spots. The point is the Gamecocks uh, would be in a position to maybe play at a higher level, level bowl because of that, because of the spots being filled around them or by the teams not being eligible to go to bowl games and leave them in a position to be, a, you know, above something like, you know, some people have them going to Birmingham and stuff like that, be in a better position than that Mm -hmm. uh, moving forward. So, And as for Clemson, of course, uh, they're looking at the Orange Bowl should they win the ACC championship, which we'll see how they respond and deal with um, Louisville. I mean, they've already clinched the division. They'd like to win it outright and then probably going to play North Carolina in the ACC championship game. And, I mean, I just don't know now. I'm confused about this Clemson team. I just don't know. Um, North Carolina can obviously score points. I'm not sure Clemson can stop them now um, because they couldn't stop Notre Dame. What makes you? And that was a that was a running game. But North Carolina has a better quarterback. They've got uh, good oh, yeah. runners. They had a, a 
the Downs kid caught 15 balls the other night. Now, they can't play a lick of defense, <clears throat> but I'm not sure, you know, right now Clemson's quarterback situation. I know Dabo is still 100% supportive of Uyangale, but, you know, that's a uh, that, that's a, a situation where if you're Uyangale right now, you're looking over your shoulder, you know. Do I, if I make a mistake here, if I make a bad throw there, am I going to be pulled again in favor of Klubnik? So that's got to wear on him a little bit. I would think so. And, and quite frankly, Phil, I don't know if you guys got into this last night after I got off to for basketball, but I think Dabo handled that situation with regards to the quarterbacks at Notre Dame horribly. Uh, first off, I understood taking DJ out of the contest. He wasn't playing all that well. Maybe you stick Klubnik in and he provides a spark the way he did against Syracuse. But then to put him in a situation where you're asking him to throw out of his own end zone, he throws an interception, they go in to score, and then you immediately pull him back out of the game. Uh, the game was over at that point in time. Why not let him finish? Because I can't imagine you talking about DJ's confidence. Where's Kate Klubnick's head right now? Yeah, that's my point. I agree with you. I said that last night. I thought it was mm. a you know big mess up there with the way they handled that situation at quarterback. Okay, we got to hit the break. We'll get the phone calls. And the coaches coming up. It's a Talking Tuesday on Sports Talk. Be right back. Welcome back at Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network. By the way, basketball tonight, South Carolina opens up the Lamont Paris era, the official opening. They've had a scrimmage. They've had an exhibition. This is a real game, the one that counts, South Carolina State, the opponent tonight, Lamont Paris, on the sideline for the Gamecocks and um, see what they can do. Not going to tell too much about them tonight. We'll see more on Friday. Clemson and South Carolina play Friday in Columbia. Clemson uh, beat the Citadel last night, but it was a bit of a struggle there for mm-hmm. a while. Bulldogs hung in there. Tigers spurted late in the first half, built a double-digit halftime lead, and then went on to um, a double, well, 11-point lead, 11-point victory over the Bulldogs, but I think a pretty good, strong showing for Citadel opening up, but Clemson had some um, some guys play well uh, last night, uh, including um, Hunter, Chase Hunter, had, uh, what, 24 points. and uh, So, good start for them. They're off to a, a 1-0 start. And uh, you mentioned Coastal winning. There's so many basketball games around the state last night. Can't remember them all, but you, um, of course, saw Coastal win as well. May I say one more thing on USC and Clemson Friday, and then I'll leave it alone. I promise. I, I don't like it. I think it's fairly obvious. But Brad Brownell said in his postgame last night that he and Coach Paris would prefer for this to be later it's the only time we can make it work. So the direct quote uh, John Blau headed on his Twitter page earlier today, and I'm thinking, really? These are two teams that used to play twice a year. How can they not find a more convenient and better game at game day for the fans than a Friday night during the fall when South Carolina's football team is out of town? Mm-hmm. I just I, I don't understand why in the world. And, and then they'll complain that they don't get fan support and don't get the media support. Well, you don't do stupid stuff like this and schedule this game where you have. Yeah, yeah I agree. I, I mean, it's been played at some odd times, usually when the when the students have been away, usually during the holiday break. Right, right. And you know, students were gone. So at least the one thing you got here 
the students will have an opportunity to be there. How many of them are traveling to Florida? I mean, you might have sure. a good crowd. I mean, there'll be 5,000, 6,000 Gamecock fans going to Florida. That's it. That game's a sellout, by the way, so the Gators bought all their tickets. So there's there's enough fan base left to put 10, 12,000 in there uh, tomorrow night, I would I would think. so. And all, everybody can go and look at the new uh, national championship banner hanging uh, that the women put up there last night. So uh, go in there and take a look at that if you haven't had a chance to see it. Okay, uh, let's take some phone calls. Appreciate the calls. Help us out. We can hardly hold our heads up. We can hardly talk. 888-898-2525. South Carolina Education Lottery. Lucky number here on Sports Talk. Let me remind you that since 2002, more than $999 million in lottery proceeds have been used to support K-12 programs in South Carolina. Learn more about the South Carolina Education Lottery's impact at seducationlottery.com slash education wins and playing for fun is a win for education. And I saw where some lucky individual won the Powerball out in California. Yeah. Wow. And wow. It wasn't, wasn't California where they had the issue yesterday with the Powerball, so they wanted to st- stop and delay the drawing, and now all of a sudden they have the drawing, and it just so happens that someone in California wins the drawing. Mm. The optics on that don't look real good. But I, I did find it interesting, the uh, gentleman who runs the store, the convenience store that sold the Powerball ticket, you know how much money his store, he is going to make from that? How much? A million dollars. Wow. Tell you what. It's now, nice. it's not $1.2 billion, but good grief. Nice to be him and nice to be the winner of the Powerball. No okay, uh, let's go to uh, Tiger Brian in Lancaster. And Tiger Brian, welcome in, sir. It's great to have you with us here on a Talking Tuesday. How y'all got? I man, mean, I know y'all we are good. doing fantastic. I, I know I can hear y'all, man. I just appreciate y'all working sick. You sound you a little mean? bit, you sound a little horsey. Yeah, you know, this it's hot and cold, hot and cold. You mm-hmm. know, this time of year. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, I'm sick on Saturday night. You oh, know? yeah, yeah. How much? <laughs> how much did you, uh, you know, drink after that game just to sort of ease the pain? I, I, I went to bed. Yeah, man. I, I went to bed, man. I just, you know, but you know, it is what it is. Like you said, you know, we'll see how they rebound, rebound this week. Mm-hmm. You know. But uh, but I just appreciate y'all working sick, man. Cause y'all, I I heard, started hearing y'all. I was like, man, I thought I sound bad. Mm. Cause y'all ain't never. I mean, you, I mean, you know. Well, we're you know, professionals, and we know how to handle. Know. We know how to handle a cold. Yeah, y'all get nasal time. passages being clogged up. You know, it's like I like to tell people, it's like having a stick of butter shoved up each nostril and trying I, to breathe I, through I, that. You know, I've been there. Yeah. I've been there. Cause yeah. Like, yeah. y'all don't get sick time. I worked at school this. I had 90 days. I was selling fat. I said, man, I'd been on called in sick, got paid for it. Yeah. <laughs> There's no, there are no off days in the media world. You know that, my man. I know that, but I appreciate what y'all do. Do you think the Dabo's going to make a change at quarterback before the end of the season? That's oh. one of my questions. That is, uh, that's, I'm sure that's on the minds of a lot of, well, listen, there were some Tiger fans who thought he'd make a change before the season, that it was going to be Klubnik, or that Klubnik would quickly beat out Uyangale. But Uyangale was was so good through the first six games, and now he's into a um, no through first seven six games, right? It was a, no through the first seven games, and then they had the rough game 
game eight, but they won it, and then they had a rough game, game nine, and they lost it. They're eight and one, right? So, um, you know, again, Iangale is still the guy, right, Pat? That's what he said. But I think he's, I think they put themselves in a precarious situation at quarterback in that now if there's a, if Uyangale throws a pick or misses open receivers and doesn't play well against Louisville, the crowd's going to be a murmur through the crowd. They're going to want Klubnik to, to be put in there. and But he's not been the answer really yet. I mean, he did okay in helping to rally them against the Syracuse. I guess he did okay. Um, he was bailed out by the officials there on that one big play. But I don't I don't know that he's been great yet. I, I don't know that he's that guy that just walks right in and elevates you offensively. I haven't seen that. And Tiger Bryan, I'll go ahead and read you the whole quote today from Dabo. Yeah, he said, well, I got a second question. Oh, well then go right ahead. What's your second question? My second question is, what in the world's happening to our defense? And if anybody out here in Buford is going to be voting tonight, which everybody has to vote, hmm. no Bobby Parker, District 3 school board. <laughs> Is that a paid? That. Is that a paid political announcement? Yeah, yeah. I'll I, I'll pay you, man. I'll pay you. When yeah, when you get Miss Miss Ladder, you get Miss Ladder. I'll come in there and dance at your wedding. Is that right? When they name me, you mean when they name me Miss Ladder? Is that what you're saying? I, yeah, you're gonna be Miss Ladder. No, okay. Your daddy, grandpa, and all them, your brother, all them getting it. They're gonna say you Miss Ladder. <laughs> Hey, man, Latta, you know, Latta produced, Latta, and thank you so much, you know, Latta produced one of the world's most beautiful women back in the 1970s, right? Lavinia Cox, Miss South Carolina, mm-hmm. first runner-up, Miss America, probably should have been Miss America that year. Here I was thinking you were going to say your wife. Oh, ouch. She'd appreciate that, but I got to be truthful. You know, she's not in the same category as a <laughs> Lavinia Cox back in the mid-70s. And I think anybody who knows who I'm talking about knows who I'm talking about. Uh, hey, Pat, Phil will be done with the basketball game around 1030 tonight. Go ahead and have your couch cleared off <laughs> for about 11. <laughs> now, if I may, though, I do want to go back and answer Tiger Bryan's question. Uh, Dabo t- today was directly asked about the quarterback situation, if DJ was still, quote, his guy. And he came out and said, DJ played his worst game against Syracuse for sure. He has played well up to that. He's 19-5 and as a starter. He did not play well at Notre Dame. He played better, but he did not play well. He doesn't get punt protect, and he's not asked to stop the run. Mm. He kind of went on to a little bit of a soliloquy there about the whole team. But then he did say at the end, if you don't play better, someone else gets a chance. We need to get Klubnik more opportunities. He hasn't really had that. We've put him in some tough situations. And that was a tough play the other night, and he'll learn from that. So that kind of echoes what you were saying, Chris, and, and I brought this up last night as well, is just situational football. You put a true freshman in there against Syracuse, that's one thing. You're at home. You have the home crowd to support him. At the start of that drive, he was in plus territory. Yes, they were still losing, but he was in a much better situation. Notre Dame, you bring him in with under a minute to go in the third quarter, down 14 nothing, where you've been getting your teeth kicked in for three quarters and he, he's inside his own 10-yard line, and he was at that side of the field where it was right. I, I guess that's the student section, but it's the loudest yeah. part of the stadium was right behind him. So now you have a young man who already has never played on the road before, or at least not in an environment like that, and you're putting him into just one terrible situation. Yes, he made an awful mistake, something you'd expect to see from a true freshman. 
that that interception was bad. He should have just eaten that ball, taken the sack, moved on to the next play. But then to pull him out and immediately go back to, to DJ, I just can't help but wonder that that surely can't help his confidence. And it just doesn't seem like a that that reeks of desperation. It does, you know, yes. if you ask me. All right, thanks for the phone call, Tiger Brian. Hope you're uh, feeling well after a tough Saturday. Let's continue with the phone calls. We go to Ron over in Greenville to the upstate. Ron, welcome into Sports Talk. How are you? Phil, I'm doing good. I hope you are. Yes, sir. We're hanging in there. Okay. You're talking about some of the Clemson people being, you know, complaining and being sad and everything. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I I sort of thought they were going to lose the game this year, and I think if they'd been on top four, they may still not have made the the playoffs. So I I don't know. But let me ask you this: What if you, uh, you know, I had somebody come here complaining to me and everything. I said, okay, why don't you uh, why don't you start pulling for South Carolina then? If you're not happy with Clemson. Oh. <laughs> You, oh, you, told a, you told a Clemson fan to go pull for the Gamecocks? Yeah, if you're not happy with the way Clemson's playing, go pull for the Gamecocks. And what'd they say? Uh, it wasn't good what they said. <laughs> <laughs> All right, um, Ron. I hear you, hey, man. Hey, Phil, one, one more thing, okay? Yes sir. yes, sir. Okay. What if your team, the team you pull for, won the, won the conference uh Eastern Division with four games to go. You don't ever see that. But what if your team did that? And and they could lose the next four and still play for an ACC championship. Yeah. I mean, Clemson's already taken care of their business. They they got their work done you know, pretty early and pretty quickly. They you know, the, the way their schedule was, uh, they played their top contenders pretty early. Wake Forest, NC State, and then who saw Syracuse in the preseason becoming a contender? They they made themselves into a contender, but look what's happened to Syracuse. Of course, they played without their quarterback last weekend. Um, they've just gone down somebody, since they lost to Clemson. Somebody here called that too, right? That though the quarterback being hurt, I'm teasing. Being yeah, beat up because after yeah. the game, when I went to get the Dino Babers post game interview, uh, Garrett Schrader came hobbling by and you did say that with yeah. his ankle all iced up. And yeah. I was telling folks to maybe maybe hedge your bets against Notre against excuse me against Syracuse when they played Notre Dame, and yeah. they have not been the same team without Schrader. You did bring that up, Ron. Thank you, man. It's always good hearing from you. Phil, sure, I appreciate it, and I'll talk to you a little bit later. Yes, sir, buddy. Take care. Appreciate it. We go. Uh, Back to the phones here one more time before the break. Got to get that break in because we missed it in the opening half hour. 888 898 is our number. And uh, we're going to go to um, did that, did that. Uh, let's go to uh, Bruce out in Missouri very quickly before the break. Bruce, welcome in. How are you, sir? Hey, Phil. I um, pray for your sickness here and to get you well real quick. And the rest of the guys, I uh, love the way y'all uh, handle things at, uh, in Columbia for me. Thank you. Anyway, you're, you're quite welcome. I mean, you're working for me now. You know that, don't you? That's so, right. Well, I've been looking for – when I see the paycheck come in, then I'll be happy to acknowledge your existence. Well, I've been trying to get you some paychecks, but it just didn't come through yet. Okay. Anyway, okay. Talking about paychecks, how much did Clemson make by losing that game up there at uh, – Notre Dame. What do you mean make? Didn't they pay Clemson to come up there and play ball with them? No. 
Now, that's part of the ACC scheduling rotation. That's not a that, – and, and, and Clemson wouldn't get paid. And when the Clemson plays a big road game like that, uh, it's a home-and-home thing or it's a – you know, it's agreement where the other you'll be. Yeah, you know, I guess it's typically a home and home type thing. Like when they do a series with Georgia or Auburn, it's home and home. So you don't share any money there. You just they come back to your place. That's where you make your money. Notre Dame, you know, has a rotation where they play five ACC games a year, and that was Clemson's year to go up to Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I figured they made some money because they they were playing like they were bought off. Oh, whoa! He set me <laughs> up. Oh, oh. Chidoo, I'm boom. telling you, they just laid down for them, Corn Blue. Mm-hmm. They laid down for them at that game. They were just slow and sluggish and didn't – I mean, they weren't blocking mm-hmm. and they weren't tackling. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They weren't aggressive. Yeah. Something went on. Yeah. I'm just saying they didn't act like Clemson football players. Yeah. Point blank. Thank you for taking my Thank call. Thank you. Yeah, good joke. He got me there, Chris. He, I was kind of he uh, baited me. as well. Yeah. He baited me, and he pulled the hook really hard. That hurt. That hurt my upper lip. Um, yeah, I mean, look, they they obviously did not come out defensively. Uh, I'm not going to say come out, but I wonder if that how, how, that block punt and quick touchdown right, right there on the first possession for Notre Dame, how much did that take out of Clemson? According to Dabo, that was a huge. That was the biggest play of the game. Mm-hmm. He said it, it grabbed all the momentum for Notre Dame, and they never got it back. And as much criticism as the defense has gotten, and it, it, it's deserved because they did not play well, especially against the run. Keeping in mind, they they had to go out there on a short field, gave up a touchdown there. There there was a pick six, and then the block punt. Yeah. So I mean, it it wasn't all on the defense because Clemson got worn out and outclassed in all three phases of the game. On Saturday. All right. Thank you for the call. Going to hit the break. 888 898 Still to come here on Sports Talk. More of your calls. Uh, we got to hear from the head coaches tonight. Oh, Kerry Tharp. Last visit with KT for the racing season after that uh, Joy Logano championship win on Sunday. Kind of a ho-hum wrap-up to the playoffs, the way that uh, he just dominated that race. And, of course, there was uh, the sadness hanging over NASCAR with the passing of Coy Gibbs uh, prior to the race. So we'll talk about that with KT and more coming up in a little bit. Be right back. When your day calls for some winning, why not watch your favorite football team at Dave & Buster's? We've got massive HDTVs and hundreds of the hottest new games. Sit from our chef-crafted cocktail menu with exclusive drinks such as the Strawberry Watermelon Margarita or Dangerous Waters. Cheer on the team with Cantina Nachos or Wings featuring one of our 12 wing flavors. When your day calls for some winning, it's time for Dave & Buster's, where you can watch the games and play the games. Locations in Greenville, Columbia, and Myrtle Beach. Thank you. Thank you for world-traveling rocket scientists. For tires bigger than your grandma's house. For 3D printing research. For artists in residency. Thank you for all the things that take us to the next level. Thank you for playing the lottery. For funding scholarships. For funding grants. For funding innovation in this state. Thank you. The South Carolina Education Lottery. When you play, we all win. 
South Carolina's taste buds have spoken, and they're asking for beef. There are more than 7,800 farms raising cattle from pasture to plate in the Palmetto State. So whether it's steaks on the grill before the big game, sirloin medallions plated for date night, or burgers with a family, make sure beef is a part of your playbook this football season. Smoke, grilled, and slow roasted. Find the best way to enjoy your beef at sccattle.org. Beef. It's what's for dinner in South Carolina. Funded by the South Carolina Beef Council, part of the Beef Checkoff Program. Your home is where your memories live. It's where you laugh and where you love. We understand the importance of the valuables under your roof, tangible and intangible alike. So no matter what's around the corner, we'll be there. Offering you and your family the support that's made Farm Bureau Insurance a trusted name for nearly 70 years. You deserve more. You deserve a promise. Learn more at scfbins.com. Call me, Alex Satterfield, at 803-749-9171 for all of your Midlands insurance needs. Touchstone Energy Cooperative members save more, more on electricity, and members save more on insurance, groceries, healthcare, restaurants, travel, concerts, and sporting events through co-op connections. Touchstone Energy is an alliance of the member-owned electric cooperatives, and as a member, the power is yours. Experience the power of co-op membership with Touchstone Energy and find out how much you can save on electricity and a whole lot more at touchstoneenergy.com. Okay, we're back on Sports Talk, Sports Talk Media Network. Phil Cornblue, Chris Bergen, and Pat Daniel. Update a couple of quick things. Our poll question of the week. Clemson lost first game of the season Saturday at Notre Dame. Damaging their chances to make the CFP should the Tigers win their final four to finish 12-1. and one. Would they deserve? Would Deserve is the key word here. Would they deserve one of the four playoff spots? This has been a very popular question. 531 votes. 85.3% say not only no, they say hell no. 14.7% say yes. So overwhelming response here saying they do not deserve. If they go 12-1, and it's going to be hard. I mean, depending on what happens around them, they go 12-1. and one. Let's say they win out impressively, 12-1. and one. And they're a two-time champion in the last six years. I mean, they've got to have – I mean, you've got to give them the Alabama credit like sure. Alabama gets, right? Clemson deserves the Alabama-Ohio State treatment, don't they? I thought you're, the way you phrased the question is critically important here. Do they deserve to get in at 12-1? and one? Yes. Will they get in at 12-1 and one as an ACC champion? I don't know. Yeah. But a, a, a conference champion with one loss in a season where we're not going to have four conference champions that are unbeaten – Clemson deserves one of those four spots. Now, but again, they're going to probably drop to 12, uh, you know, outside the top 10 tonight in the CFP rankings. Is there enough cachet left on their schedule to get them back up towards, you know, five or six, where if things fall right on, on championship Saturday, that they're in the mix going into that Sunday? South Carolina might very well be the best team left on their schedule. And they probably need the Gamecocks to pick up a win at Florida for sure mm-hmm. and maybe play Tennessee close and maneuver themselves back up, perhaps into the top 25 before they meet 
over Thanksgiving weekend. And then certainly they need North Carolina to keep winning out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then to bring up that Garrett Schrader injury again at Syracuse, they've now lost three in a row. Both Wake Forest and Syracuse have dropped from the rankings. Clemson mm-hmm. at one point was able to boast three top 15 wins. They now, none of those teams are still ranked in the top 15. Yeah, but here's, here's my question about that. When you talk about top 15, top 20 wins, should you consider when you play the team what they're ranked as a victory over a ranked team? Or is it, I mean, isn't that when you should consider what their ranking was, not where they finished? Because things happen to a team. When Clemson beat Syracuse, they had their quarterback. They had everybody there healthy. They were a ranked team. Mm -hmm. So they were the whatever ranking they were at that time. Now, the fact that they have taken a nosedive since then, well, that's the post-Clemson hangover that they suffered. Uh, You know, Wake Forest, same thing. Um, NC State, they were a healthy, fully loaded team when they lost to Clemson. They since have lost their quarterback. Now, they got a nice win this past weekend, but they had a little struggle there until they figured out their quarterback situation. Shouldn't you be credited with where the team is ranked at the time you beat them? Not Not where they are at the end of the season. I think so. Because at the time you played them, that's what everybody believed. That's how good that whoever that team is. Mm-hmm. That's how good they are. You you can't go through and look. All right, you're going to go back and and rewrite history. I, yeah, that's not the way to do it. You've got to go week by week. And at that time, when Clemson faced Syracuse, they were a top twenty-five team. Wake Forest, top twenty-five team. NC mm-hmm. State, top twenty-five team. I think they should get credit for that, not where those teams finish. And I still believe Syracuse may not win another game this year. That would be a great question if we're able to ask somebody on the college football playoff committee is how they do judge that. Can we squeeze Sam in real quick here in our final 45 seconds of the hour? Sam, go quickly. How are you down there in Charleston? Doing great. I got some great news to share with you guys. What's that? Well, just let you know that we, we won our first game of the year. We played against Chattanooga. We did really well. Um... One of the things I like about this team is, so I would say my team in parentheses called the young team this year. We have Ben, we have Ben Larson, who is a good shooting guard, checking out threes all day. Yep, yep. Yep, I tell you that was. We got to go, Sam. But um, hang in there with the Cougars. Good start for them with that win over Chattanooga last night. Top of the hour break. We'll be back. Welcome back to Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network. You can reach the guys with the South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number, 888-898-2525. That's 888-898-2525. Now back to Phil, Chris, and Pat with the second hour of Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network. All right, welcome back, everybody. Sports Talk on a Talking Tuesday. We're going to get right to Clemson coach Dabo Sweeney. They're about to start uh, announcing the uh, rankings, the playoff rankings for this week. We'll jump on that shortly. Gary Stoken of the Peach Bowl joining us in a little bit. But here is Dabo Sweeney from today at his press conference at Clemson talking about the loss to Notre Dame and looking ahead to Louisville. As far as, uh, you know, where we are right now, obviously coming off a very tough weekend, um, you know, difficult weekend, but you know, at the end of the day, I'm, I'm proud of our guys. Uh, hey, we won 14 in a row, and uh, you know, uh, it's hard to do, and it didn't go our way the other night. Uh, give Notre Dame credit again for that. Uh, certainly, very, very disappointing. 
because uh, we, we definitely missed an opportunity for sure. Um, uh, but, you know, uh, proud of the guys that have been a part of this for the, uh, over two, two seasons here to win 14 in a row. I think that's the third longest streak in the history of our school. Uh, we've had another one 17 in a row, 29 in a row. You know, and, and we've had those streaks because we've just responded and we've always gone back to work. And uh, so good news is uh, we missed an opportunity, but we got another opportunity this week. And that's, that's, that's the good news for us. Also, we're a better team, certainly, than what we played the other night. Uh, we're 8-1, and one, not 5-3. and three. And uh, every, goal, every goal we have is intact. There's, there's, you know, our goals are simple, and uh, they, they're, they're very simple. And uh, it, it, every time we've hit all those goals, we've either won the national championship uh, or we've had some kind of you know, amazing year. And uh, so there's not anything uh, that, that we strive for every single year that's, that's uh, not attainable to this team. Uh, we, we've won the opener. Uh, we, we can win the division. Uh, we can still win this state championship. <clears throat> uh, we can still win this league. And we can still win the closer. So there's not anything. There's only one thing that's, that's uh, uh, you know, off the table for us, and that's being undefeated. You know, that ain't going to happen. Uh, but, you know, there's very few teams that, you know, can, are ever undefeated. There's been one in the NFL since 1972, and I think there's only been six in ten years uh, in, in, the, in the college football. Uh, it's hard, and we've won one of them. It's hard to do. It's hard to win every game. You want to win every game. Don't want everyone to lose. Uh, but, man, it's – uh, you know, all about responding and, and just, you know, getting back to work. And that's what our guys did is a, a tough couple of days. Um, and, uh, you know, our, our job, you know, when, when we fail, we fail in front of the world. And there, there's, there's, that's a tough, tough thing, uh, especially when you're dealing with young people. <clears throat> so it was a long Sunday and a long day yesterday, uh, mental Monday, get your mind right. Uh, let's, let's, uh, uh refocus. You know, again, with the right perspective, take ownership, learn from it, and let's grow from it, and then you get back to work. That's what that's what winners do. That's what competitors do. And again, that's why we've been so consistent and, and successful around here for a long time. Uh, and and you respond. And I, I loved how our guys responded uh, yesterday and staff on Sunday. So uh, again, back to work. And again, another opportunity this week. <clears throat> and another big challenge. It's a good football team uh, that we're getting ready to play. Uh, these guys. Um, they're a fast physical team. Uh, they're a veteran team on both sides of the ball. Uh, seems like we're playing a lot of those uh, type teams. And uh, they've won four in a row, so they're really confident. It's a confident bunch. Uh, they've, they've, they've got three losses, uh, but winning makes you forget about that, you know, quickly. Uh, you can even look at the national scene. you got people on the national scene with some really bad losses, but people forget about those things uh, when you win. So Winning is is a key thing, and these guys are very confident because they've put four good ones in a row together, and uh, they're playing well. Offensively, they're balanced, they're explosive. Um, this quarterback is special. He's he's a he's a very dynamic player. I mean, he's he's a he's a problem, um, and just a guy I got a lot of respect for. He's a great competitor. Three really good running backs, just like last week. Very veteran offensive line, good receivers, another good tight end. Uh, but I think the balance that they have creates the explosiveness, uh, especially with the quarterback, you know, running the show back there. Veteran guy uh, that, that obviously is, again, really, really dangerous. And then defensively, a very aggressive, uh, you know, veteran group, second in the nation in sacks. 
I think they're, uh, uh, you know, right there in the top ten or so in TFLs. Uh, they're uh, second in the nation in takeaways, uh, or maybe lead the nation at this point. They got a bunch of bunch of turnovers that they've created. So it's a good football team, and and uh, for us, definitely have to uh, get back on track. Number one thing for us, we got to take care of the ball. Uh, <clears throat> there's that's just first and foremost. You know, that's the that's the number one thing in our plan to win. And you know, we did a really good job of that for seven games. We had three turnovers in seven games. And we've had six and two, uh, so uh, you know not real complicated. Uh, you're going to struggle when you when you when you do that, uh, and you're going to miss a lot of opportunities. So we've got to we've got to correct that first and foremost. Get back on track, uh, and then uh, you know just respond, respond in all 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 areas. Uh, you know, like a good team does, and that's the expectation. Again, last time we lost a game, uh, we went on a 14 game winning streak. And uh, unfortunately, that ended uh, the other night. So uh, the goal is to try to start another one uh, on Saturday. And it's, it'll be a great day, 3.30 game, military appreciation, always a special time. And uh, look forward to to uh, another opportunity. You went into the Notre Dame game saying, DJ is my guy, <clears throat> plays best game, Syracuse, you know, it's just a hiccup. How do you frame the quarterback situation now uh, that you have another 60 minutes? Yeah, yeah. Well, he 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 played his worst game against Syracuse for sure, and uh, it was and it was a really and he's he played well up to that. He had a, he's played well. I mean, again, he, the reality is we won fourteen in a row. He was starting quarterback for every single one of them, and uh, he's nineteen and five as a starter. You know, so uh, he he's he's he had a really his worst game, and he did not play well at Notre Dame. He played better, but he didn't play well. Uh, but he can't punt protect and he don't stop the run and uh but i do like how he finished the game i loved how he finished the game i love how he competed and that's why that's why the team loves him uh because that's who he is and so but he's got to play i mean he'd be the first one to tell you i mean he's 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 got to play better and uh he's got to get back on track to how he played the first seven games and uh you know that's just the reality of the situation i mean uh he's got to be accountable that he is and uh, watched every play with him, and he knows what he's got to do better. And, and you know, if he doesn't play better, then you you, you got to give somebody else a, a chance. That's just where we are. But um, you know, that's this is always real time. You know, as you move forward. Do you think Cade's playing on the board will hinge on how DJ does, or is it something where you feel like maybe Cade needs to get more? Yeah, we 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 need to get Cade some more opportunity. You know, he hasn't really had a lot of opportunity. Uh, you know, we've put him in in some. You know, tough situations from time to time. He hadn't had, you know, and it was that's a tough spot. The other that's a tough play, you know, um, and and uh, you know, a mistake he'll learn from. You know, he's got a guy in the flat. You either throw it to the guy in the flat or you throw it away right there. But uh, you know, just a, a young guy that'll learn. But we definitely, you know, got a lot of confidence in him. He's a great young player. And uh, but again. Uh, when you've won 14 in a row and, and you've got a guy that is your leader and, and is, has played well, and then all of a sudden, you know, he had a bad game, you know, you you, you, you don't panic. You know, you keep moving. And now, now this past week, uh, he didn't play bad, but he didn't play well. And uh, we need him to play well. So that's kind of where we are. Uh, so it would be a – it would be a – 
big day on Saturday for all of us because we all need to get back. We need to coach well, and we all need to play well. It's not just DJ. It's everybody. No, but when Tyler Davis says it, he doesn't feel like the defense had the right mindset and didn't show up with the right mindset. Just what do you feel like led to that? Any reason for that? Um, you know, coming off a of bye, going into a big game. Yeah, yeah. I really wish I could tell you. Uh, you know, sometimes as a coach, as I said yesterday, you, you, you can see certain things. You know, you maybe have a bad game, and you look back and you say, "Yeah, well, there you go." You know, we. It's what I was talking about last week in practice, and this, this, and that. But uh, this isn't the case. We had a, we had really, really good preparation. I, I thought the guys uh, were in a good place, but all I can tell you is you're dealing with with people. And, uh, you know, especially young people. And, you know, we're not immune to a bad day. And uh, we, we definitely had that. But the mentality defensively wasn't anywhere what it needed to be. And, uh, you know, we've had other days like that over my tenure here. But that was uh, – you don't ever like it when you, when you deal with that. But it's on everyone to show up with the right mentality. You know, this isn't – this ain't middle school. Everybody, this is everybody's. Everybody's got a job to do. <laughs> this isn't middle school. <laughs> I love it. All right, Dabo Sweeney from earlier today. All of Dabo on our website, sportstalksc.com. As for your rankings, starting at twenty-five, Washington, Kentucky, Florida State, UCF, Illinois. Then at number twenty, there is Notre Dame. Kansas State, Texas, Tulane, NC State. At 15, North Carolina, Penn State, Utah, UCLA, Ole Miss. Number 10 is Clemson. Number 9 is Alabama. Number 8 is Southern Cal. And then they're giving us the top four. Georgia, number 1. Ohio State, number 2. Michigan, number 3. And TCU at number 4. We're waiting on five, six, seven to be announced. So again, Georgia, Ohio State, Tennessee, I'm sorry, Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, TCU. That's your top four in order. Tennessee now is number five. Dropping out of the top four, Tennessee is number five. We're waiting on number six and number seven. Chris, your thoughts on what you've seen while we wait for six and seven to drop? I, I think it all makes sense to this point. I, I don't see anything that, that sticks out and saying, good grief, are you kidding me? Why are they where they are? With the exception maybe of LSU. Do you question Alabama be, still being in the top ten with two losses? Is this, is this well, the and, committee? And LSU is going to be there with uh, two losses. But they, they're, but they beat Alabama. I mean, this is Alabama um, in the top this, ten with two losses going, going down. My, my, my point is, is – LSU won to move up. Alabama's still hanging in there with two losses instead of dropping all the way out. They're keeping them in the top ten for some reason. I guess the reason is they believe the fact that Alabama lost two They're games, Alabama. but one on a one on a, yeah Alabama. What I say? They lost uh, Alabama lost two games, one on a um, field goal and one on a two point conversion. And they're Alabama. Yeah. That was sort of my point. That, that's why they get the benefit of the doubt. They get the benefit of the doubt much more so than, say, Clemson would, going back to our earlier argument. Yeah. I don't understand how you put two teams – maybe maybe I should back up. That, that That's probably the biggest issue I've got is how two uh, two teams with two losses are going to be ahead of the Tigers, whose only loss was on the road. Now, they look terrible in it, but still, they've, they've only lost one. 
Yeah, this is where this is where uh, politics, I guess, or this is where subjectivity, not objectivity, subjectivity comes in because, I mean, everybody believes the SEC is the best football conference mm-hmm. in America. We hear this over and over again, and even though the SEC has some lightweights up and down the schedule, that's kind of overlooked with the reputation of Alabama. And you know, they look at the fact that you got Alabama, Georgia, Tennessee, LSU, Ole Miss, and they think that, that kind of spreads through the entire league. There's some soft spots up and down that league, no question about it. Arkansas has become one. Mississippi State is kind of, you know, sort of kind of still kind of a soft spot. Our, uh, certainly Vanderbilt, a soft spot. Um, Missouri, maybe, you know, a little bit of a soft spot. Uh, you know, now South Carolina would disagree with that after what happened, but I, you know, the reputation just continues to uh, to carry uh, these teams moving forward. Um, have we got the last two spots in there? Did we get the last two? We're still waiting. Have yeah, you seen? Have, I have not seen because uh, they actually have not even tweeted out past Michigan. <laughs> I haven't even seen TCU pop up on social media yet. Yeah, well, I'm watching. Right. And um, watching the live feed. So I've got TCU, I've got Tennessee, and as um, soon as we get the rest, we'll we'll pass that on. And of course, now my screen has frozen. <laughs> so maybe they've put it out, and I don't know about it. But my feed has, has frozen. Well, it's uh, probably going to be Oregon and then uh, LSU. Would be your yeah, I would teams. think so. I would yeah. think so. We uh, have Gary Stoken with us now. Let's go to this is perfect timing. As the new ranking uh, just being announced, we have – with us now, the um, CEO and president of the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl, which will be hosting one of the national uh, semifinal games this year. <coughs> so obviously paying close attention to things as I choke up here. <coughs> Not because of you, Gary. You got a little head cold. How are you? I'm doing great, guys. Great time of the year. Thanks for having us on. Absolutely. What do you make of uh, what you've seen tonight from the committee? Well, obviously, uh, you know, undefeated with four undefeated teams. Uh, it makes sense to have Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, TCU, one through four. Um, you know, a lot of people call for a playoff. Uh, to me, we're, we're seeing a playoff uh, which started last weekend when you had number one and number three play. You had six and ten play. Um you had, uh, obviously, an unranked team play number four, uh, but one, four, and six all lose. So um, the playoff has started, and we'll go over the next three weeks with continued play all the way through. And we see that Oregon is the number six team. So Tennessee is five, Oregon is six. And I'm guessing LSU is seven here since I haven't seen that right. posted. Right. guessing that's where that's, that's right. going to be. What do you make of um, what they've done with, say, Clemson at 10 and Alabama at 9? Alabama with two losses, Clemson coming off a loss, but keeping them in the top 10, kind of keeping them within reach of the playoff situation. Yeah, you know, uh, the selection committee, one of the main um, things they look at to put teams in the top four is are you a conference champion? And Clemson certainly has the ability to uh, go on, make the run through the rest of their schedule, uh, get into the ACC championship. And if they were to win that, uh, they need some help. They need Notre Dame probably 
to help them out to beat USC, uh, which would make Notre Dame higher ranked. Um, but they need to uh, obviously control what they can control, which is win out, become an ACC conference champ, and then see where it puts them. So from where you sit right now, the way things are, if Georgia holds on at number one, wins out, stays at number one, they'll have their pick, of course, of their location. And obviously, they're going to pick right there in downtown Atlanta. Uh, as you sit back and kind of watch things unfold, I mean, I guess, can you have a rooting interest? I mean, do you want Georgia? Is that, would you like to have Georgia there in your, in your national semifinal game? Well, I've learned a long time ago doing this for 25 years that I root for friends and not necessarily teams. And so I have to be uh, non-biased. Mm. I've got a lot of friends that are in that top 25 that was just announced by the CFB. So, you know, you root for friends. And in, in the game, you know, our game being a semifinal this year, you just uh, – you look forward to hosting two teams that are in the top four that are going to be, you know, obviously some of the best teams in the country. So we we can't lose. We're like kids at Christmas, you know, on, on Sunday, December 5th, waiting to see what presents we open and who we get a chance to host. Yeah, I mean, whoever it is, you're going to sell the place out, right? Never any question about selling out one of the national semifinal games? Well, we're sold out. We were sold out in July. Oh, so. okay. Yeah, we'll, uh, both teams get 13,000 tickets, and obviously being a semifinal, we don't have any doubt that they'd sell those out based on our knowledge from 2016 and 2019 when we also uh, hosted uh, the uh, CFP semifinal games. We had sellouts as well. Talking to Gary Stoken from the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl. Now I've got my voice back, and I'm not hacking. I can communicate with you better. Thanks for hanging in there with us. Um, what's the difference in, in, in running this game and in, in terms of it being a playoff game versus it being a regular, you know, bowl game that you've run for so many years? Yeah, it's a little nuanced, but normally during a, uh, a non semifinal game, uh, you can have activities for the players all the way up to the night before the game, uh, with a semifinal game, since they're playing to move on. To the national championship in in Los Angeles, um, two nights before, you have to shut everything down and let the teams focus on their preparation with respect to video and practice and films and meetings. So uh, that's one little nuance that's a little bit different when you host the semifinal game. What is going to be the future? of the bowl system uh, moving forward, especially with the expansion of the playoffs coming. What do you think is going to happen to the regular bowl games that aren't part of the, aren't involved in a playoff situation? Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting to see because you'll have 12 teams now uh, in a, in a uh, playoff, whether the commissioners decide to move it up to 24 and 25, or it starts after this current contract in 26. Um, you know, we're blessed in our relationship that uh, we would host a quarterfinal in 24 and then uh, the national championship in Atlanta in January of 25, and then we'd move to the semifinals after the 25 season. So 
that along with Georgia playing Clemson in our Chick-fil-A kickoff game to start the 24th season, mm. we're going to have some pretty big-time games coming to Atlanta. Absolutely. A lot of people have called us the capital of college football for that reason. With the Hall of Fame right there as well, I mean, you certainly feel that way, don't you? Well, we, we, we it's nice to hear the media and other people uh, reward what our staff, our board, you know, our volunteers in the city of Atlanta have worked hard to really make Atlanta, you know, preeminent in college football with bringing the College Football Hall of Fame here, starting the kickoff games, hosting the SEC championship, moving up to the New Year's Six in the, uh, with the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl. So, um, yeah, we've worked hard at it, but it's nice to hear uh, other people say nice things about us. Well, I can remember 1969 sitting in the rain at Grant Field for the number, the second annual Peach Bowl, I think it was, South Carolina and West Virginia. I think that was the second one. Wasn't 68 your first Peach Bowl? 68 was our first game. That's actually right. Yeah. 68 in Bobby Dodd Stadium. That's right. 69, Bobby Dodd Stadium, South Carolina, West Virginia. Rain like it was no tomorrow. West Virginia beat South Carolina, USC's only ACC championship team, the '69 team, and um, and then you and, and then then you went to uh, Fulton County Stadium and, and played in. It seemed like it was just a, a bowl game that was mired in mud, a lot of bad weather for a while there. Then of course you went to the domes and everything has changed. My point is, it's amazing how far you guys have come with this thing since '60 '68, I guess. Well, you're absolutely right. We've been blessed in uh, in having not only a great infrastructure in Atlanta, but great fan support and great uh, corporate support, as well as our volunteers. And then to have, you know, the stadiums uh, progress from Bobby Dodd to Atlanta Fulton County to the Georgia Dome, where the roof took all of the weather out of the yeah. equation yeah. to recruit teams. And then moving into Mercedes-Benz Stadium, which I still think is the best stadium in the country, um, now with the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl being part of the New Year Six. It is a beautiful stadium. My first experience is there uh, earlier this year for the Clemson-Georgia Tech game. So my first time going in there, and it is an awesome stadium. So you now just kind of sit back and uh, let things play out and just wait and find out um, the two teams coming your way, right? you got a few more weeks before that's determined, and you can – then get to work and in, in doing whatever promotion you have to do, right? Well, we, we do a lot before that. We, uh, as a matter of fact, um, yesterday we were in Charlotte uh, meeting with all the ACC schools and the ACC conference, uh, going through our institutional guide about, you know, when they would arrive, what they would do, where they would stay hotel-wise, the practice schedules, et cetera. And then uh, we have a conference call with uh, the Big Ten tomorrow, um, so we'll go through that right now with all the conferences to allow them to start to prepare. Um, because once December hits and you play in the championship game of your conference, it goes pretty fast. And so you want to have as much preparation done as you can. So we're in, in the preparation stage now. Um, obviously, we're ready to go. We can play the game tomorrow if we needed to. Um, so we'll, we'll wait for the rest of the season to play out. And then December 5th, we'll, uh, we'll open our Christmas packages and see who we host. Gary, it's a pleasure, man. Thanks for being with us here on Sports Talk. We'll be right back.
it's with a heavy, heavy heart that we play the theme song of the Commander one final time for this NASCAR season as we've wrapped up the NASCAR championship this past weekend in Phoenix. Joey Logano dominating the championship race, coming away with the title for a second time. (coughs) We welcome in the president (coughs) of Darlington Raceway, Kerry Tharp. One final wrap-up of the NASCAR season. Good evening, KT. How are you? So well, but I hope you get to feeling better here as we as we move along through this interview. Well, we're fighting our way through it, my man. Fighting our way through it. Hope you don't ever yes, sir. hope you don't ever catch it. So, Joey Logano, um, popular champion of the people of NASCAR. Oh, I think I think so. I think Joey has has really grown into his own in the last five or six years. Um, you know, when he was at Joe Gibbs Racing. Uh, I think he was still kind of young and, 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 you know, kind of finding his way. Uh, and then he, you know, kind of had to swallow some humility when he basically got cut by Joe Gibbs Racing, was sent over to Team Penske. And, you know, lo and behold, he won a championship in 2018, and he followed up with a second one here just last weekend. So I think Joey's pretty popular amongst the fans. Uh, you see a lot of his T-shirts and, and, and stuff out through the – through the through the crowd and and you know he does a lot for the community. Uh, he's he's really a, I think uh, uh, a great family man. Uh, him and his wife Brittany, I think, have three kids. And uh, yeah, I, I think Joy will be. I think Joy's a popular champion. I, I do. I, I think people will look up to him and realize that he's uh, uh, somebody that's. Uh, really kind of become one or actually one of the state's persons, statesmen of the sport. I mean, he's probably what in his early thirties. So he's probably one of the, you know, oldest guys out there now that is, hmm. is still competing. And they went out in style. I mean, they dominated. If you're going to win a championship, they left no, um, no mystery to it. They right. I think led the most laps and, uh, mm-hmm. led, you know, very solidly down the stretch. There was no, yeah. no strong run at him or anything like that. What do you think? You know, was their secret on Sunday? What did they dial up? Why were they so good? Well, you know, Joey won that first race at uh, Las Vegas in the first uh, uh, in, the, in the round of eight. Uh, he won the opening race at Las Vegas, which was almost three weeks ago. And so he was able, him and his team were able to focus entirely on Phoenix and not have to worry about uh, the you know the other two races, Homestead or uh, or Martinsville. And so I think that once they won that race in Vegas, they went to work and got everything and poured everything they could into the Phoenix uh, plan and the Phoenix set up for their car. And obviously it paid off. I mean, he sat on the pole Sunday uh, for the race. Uh, he led, like you said, the most laps. I think he led like 187 out of 320 something laps. He had definitely had the fastest car. His pit crew was on point. And uh, I just think he was, he was primed uh, to win the championship, and I think that extra preparation time uh, served him well. Mm-hmm. Gary Tharp, president of Darlington Raceway, with us one final time as we put a lid on the 2022 NASCAR racing season. And, KT, if I heard Rick Allen and the guys on NBC correctly, Joey Logano is the first Ford driver to have now multiple championships since David Pearson which is almost Mm -hmm. unbelievable as much money as Ford puts into its racing program. How have they not been more consistent, at least in the championship level than, than that? I I just found that really hard to believe. 
Well, you know, that's a great question, uh, Chris. I mean, you look back over the years, uh, and they have had, you know, single championships here and there. Kurt Busch uh, won when he was, uh, I think, driving a Ford. Matt Kenseth won when he was driving a Ford. Um, I think Dale Jarrett was driving a Ford back in the day when he won his championship. And, and uh, certainly Rusty Wallace was too. But there haven't, hasn't been any Ford drivers, that you, like you said, that is uh, – has added multiple championships. And you look at Jimmy Johnson, I mean, he won five in a row and he won seven. So there wasn't a whole lot of other other championships to go around when Jimmy was on his uh, tear. And and certainly the Toyotas have, have, have won some championships. Uh, Kurt, uh, excuse me, Kyle Busch a couple. And uh, uh, X won. But, yeah, that is that is kind of hard to, uh, hard to understand it, because I know they pour a lot of resources, a lot of uh, – uh, R&D and everything you would want to say into their motorsports program in NASCAR. And, you know, you, you would think that they would have had, you know, mm-hmm. multiple championships amongst some of those drivers. And uh, it, it just hadn't happened. Uh, you know, Brad Keselowski, when he won his championship, he was actually driving for Dodge. So, um, uh, you know, maybe there just haven't been that many opportunities or, you know, maybe maybe sometimes they're just getting beat out by, by, by you know, better competitors. Mm-hmm. But uh, I did hear that, and I found that that was kind of hard to believe. Hmm. I know Chase Elliott fans are probably going to spend the entire winter wanting to blame Ross Chastain for the reason that he was not competitive and won the uh, title after he split him in, I guess it was right around lap 200. When you watched uh-huh. that move, and I didn't think Ross did anything wrong, it almost appeared as if Chase came down in front of him and there was nowhere for Chastain yeah. to go. But as you reviewed that, uh, did Ross Chastain do anything wrong when he spun Chase Elliott? Oh, I don't think so. I mean, I mean... I mean, you know, they're both going for a championship. Uh, They're both needing to make up some ground. And, you know, when you go down on that apron at at Phoenix, it's pretty much fair game for everybody. And so I just think that they both were down there at the same time. And Chastain kind of got into him a little bit and, you know, put him up into the fence. I don't think it was anything deliberate. Uh, Certainly I've seen a lot more deliberate wrecks this year than that. And I just think basically it was was two guys – racing hard and Chastain is an aggressive driver. So I just think that, you know, at that particular time, he felt like he needed to make a move. And, and, uh, Elliot just happened to be the, uh, person that was there and and caught the short end end of it. But I, I didn't, I didn't see anything out of the ordinary on that one. Looking off the subject of racing real quick, Phil, I just wanted to see what KT's takeaway was from the uh, coastal Appalachian state game on Thursday. He was one of the many dignitaries, in attendance <laughs> to uh, sort of watch Darlington's pride and joy now in Grayson McCall. I tell you, it was a great atmosphere. I'd never been to a Coastal Carolina football game. I hope I can go back. The place was packed. Uh, a lot of enthusiasm amongst the student body. Uh, really a nice facility there at Brooks Stadium. I talked to Matt Hope before the game. He was very gracious. And everybody we talked to from the athletics department was was uh, was just super and had a great time just taking it as, as a fan. And, you know, it was a heck of a ball game, too. Both both of those are pretty good ball clubs with two good quarterbacks. And I got to speak to Grayson, uh, you know, briefly before the game as he was coming off the field for the last time. I wanted to say something to him after the game, Chris, but, man, they were mobbing that field pretty good. I, <laughs> I, didn't, want, I didn't want to wind up in the first aid station, so I, I got out of there. But uh, 
I, I was impressed uh, with her whole operation and, and um, you know, especially the way that uh, Grayson played and certainly Chase Bryce from Appalachian State's a good quarterback, too. Uh, last couple of moments with Kerry Tharp for this racing season. The passing of Coy Gibbs certainly hit NASCAR very hard going into the wow. to the Sunday race. What were your thoughts on on that when you heard that news? Bill, I was shocked. I really was. I was over at the office actually Sunday, early Sunday afternoon, and got on Twitter and started looking and, and saw where Ty Gibbs was not going to drive because of a family emergency and. You know, I guess my first thought maybe was that it was his grandmother or something like that. And then when the news came out that Coy had passed away, I, I just, I, I, I'm still having a hard time putting my arms around that. I cannot even imagine what that family's going through, mm-hmm. what that race team is going through. And Coach Gibbs has lost both of his sons at the age of 49. Mm-hmm. And, um, man. That just uh, that, that, that's a tough one to swallow. It was, yeah, certainly was, and it's certainly stunned the the community. Last thing, um, what do you take away from this twenty twenty two season? Sure. Uh, one thing I think, Phil, I think it was just competition at its best. We saw nineteen different winners. Um, you know, you saw a lot of first time winners. You saw a couple teams come on uh, track house racing. Petty GMS, uh, a lot of young drivers, uh, you know, a guy moving from, from uh, uh, Joe Gibbs Racing over to RCR that I never would thought to see Kyle Busch do that. So I just thought it was a very entertaining season. It certainly didn't go without having a few bumps in the road. You know, that this new car, I think, needs to, they need to shore up some of the safety features of it. And I think, you know, they need to address some of the, some of the aggression that we saw on the racetrack, or at least try to try to you know rein that in a little bit. But all in all, I think it was one of the best seasons since I've been at NASCAR, and uh, I think next year is going to be fantastic because I mean here you are bringing in Jimmy Johnson, he's going to be a part owner over at Petty GMS. You got Kyle Busch at RCR. Uh, I don't know. It just it just I think it's going to be better than ever next year. Well, we look forward to it. We look forward to spending our Tuesdays with you all during the twenty three season. Thank you for your time. We wish you and your family a great holiday season, some peace and some rest after a long, hard NASCAR season. And we'll talk to you again soon and then be back with you during the racing season of 23 come Daytona. Sounds good. I just want to thank everybody associated with with your host program. Uh, I know I talked to you and and Chris and Patrick and and Smitty uh, on a regular basis and you guys are fantastic to work with, and I uh, hope you guys have a blessed holiday season as well, and hope to see you all soon. Thank you, KT. Thanks, Gary. Thanks, Gary. The commander, the general, the leader, the president of Darlington, Kerry Tharp, with us here on Sports Talk. We always appreciate him. All right, to the great. break, and then uh, Shane Beamer, and then recruiting South Carolina and South Carolina State. Gamecocks are up 32-31 with 2.06 to go in the opening half. Selling for too many threes, USC is, and South Carolina State has all but erased a 15-point deficit in the first half. Gamecocks are 4 of 12 from 3. They're shooting 32%, State 48%, and the Gamecocks, um, they haven't turned it over a lot. They both turned it over four times, so 32-31, back in a moment. 
I'm attorney Jim Corbett. I love sports and I've helped people for over 30 years. Contact me at jim at jimcorbettattorney.com when the insurance company won't pay your claim or you have complicated issues. Some other business causes your business to lose money? Jim at jimcorbettattorney.com. When you lose a relative and find out you got cut out of a will or don't get what was promised. When you have serious injury, like from a wreck or mishap or on the job, jim at jimcorbettattorney.com. In Columbia, South Carolina, game days are our specialty. Whether you're watching the game from inside the stadium or from the big screen at your favorite local spot, the energy remains the same. Craft the perfect fall Saturday in a city where there is plenty of action on and off the field. From tubing and kayaking to Soda City to rooftop restaurants and plenty barbecue, we're ready when you are. Plan your weekend at experiencecolumbiasc.com. South Carolina's taste buds have spoken, and they're asking for beef. There are more than 7,800 farms raising cattle from pasture to plate in the Palmetto State. So whether it's steaks on the grill before the big game, sirloin medallions plated for date night, or burgers with a family, make sure beef is a part of your playbook this football season. Smoke, grilled, and slow-roasted. Find the best way to enjoy your beef at scattle.org. Beef. It's What's for Dinner in South Carolina. Funded by the South Carolina Beef Council, part of the Beef Checkoff Program. You were always more than my mom. You were my role model, my best friend, and biggest supporter. You filled my days with unconditional love. And you also prepared for the day when you couldn't be here. Because of the woman you were back then, I'm able to be the woman I am now. Your planning made this moment possible. Set your family up for life. Southern Farm Bureau Life Insurance. Your friends for life. Life insurance isn't for you. It's for those you love the most. For a complete insurance review, call Buddy Bridges in Lawrence County at 864-923-2174. Serving Lawrence, Clinton, and the shores of Lake Greenwood. Southern Farm Bureau Life Insurance Company, Jackson, Mississippi. Not licensed to do business in all 50 states. When your day calls for some winning, why not watch your favorite football team at Dave & Buster's? We've got massive HDTVs and hundreds of the hottest new games. Sit from our chef-crafted cocktail menu with exclusive drinks such as the Strawberry Watermelon Margarita or Dangerous Waters. Cheer on the team with Cantina Nachos or Wings featuring one of our 12 wing flavors. When your day calls for some winning, it's time for Dave & Buster's, where you can watch the games and play the games. Locations in Greenville, Columbia, and Myrtle Beach. All right, let's get to uh, Shane Beamer, right? To Shane Beamer, USC football coach from his press conference today, recapping the win over Vandy, looking ahead to the trip to Florida. Off to a good start this week. Got a big challenge uh, down in Gainesville. Coach Napier's got a team that continues to improve each week. Uh, played a great half of football two weeks ago against uh, Georgia in the second half. Carried that over to their performance in College Station last Saturday with their best performance of the year in a uh, certainly a dominant second half against Texas A&M. Uh, they're good in all three phases. Obviously, everything starts with the quarterback. He's a, an elite player uh, and a weapon. Every time the ball's in his hands, running, throwing, you name it, he's just so impressive to watch. Uh, 
good defense, weapons everywhere on special teams. They're you similar to last week. We're going to have to go <clears throat> beat them. They don't beat themselves. They're number one in the SEC right now in turnover margin. Uh, they're one of the fewest penalized teams in the SEC as well. So they're doing a lot of things right and getting better each week. You know it'll be a great environment uh, down in the swamp. I believe it's a sellout from what I heard, and and uh, should be a fantastic atmosphere. And looking forward to getting down there and playing on Saturday afternoon. Shana, you mentioned that BJ was going to have an MRR. The results of that back? Uh, results are back. I'd say he's day to day. Nothing long term. Just kind of see how quickly he can uh, see how quickly he can respond to, to treatment. He wasn't able to do much today in uh, in practice, and I'm sure you'll ask about the other guys as well. Marshawn told me he was Marshawn was limited today, but told me he felt uh, a lot better than he thought he was going to feel as well. So uh, Spalding is done for the year. I know I mentioned that Saturday in Nashville. Hate that for him, but wish him well in his recovery. And then. Um, you know, beyond that, it's it's a handful of guys that are that are questionable right now. And specifically in the secondary, Shane. I mean, just because the bodies are getting kind of thin. Any thought of maybe moving a couple of spare receivers over to take reps? Have you guys taken that step yet? <laughs> it's funny. Do you, or do you have our facility bugged? Because I literally was just in the defensive staff room talking about that with Clayton and Torian and the guys before I walked down here. Um, we're thin just with injuries. There's no question about it. Uh, but we're not to that point yet. Um, you know, you hate to lose a, a Spalding and and other guys that are that are that are banged up. But um, we're not to that point yet where we have to start. You know, moving people, uh, moving people over yet. But we are thin, and thankfully, knock on wood, our our starters for the most part are are healthy. But certainly, we've got some young guys and. and Fortunately, the way we practice allows you know our entire team to try and improve as the year goes along. So that's allowed the young young defensive backs that haven't maybe played as much to get better throughout the season and potentially you know play them uh, late in the season if we needed to in a in a bind. Coach, I've been asking the players, Kai and Rush, but have you found this week that breakfast has been a little sweeter once you got that bowl eligibility locked up? Now moving forward. It's uh, sweeter, but by no means are we satisfied. Uh, certainly, we're very proud to be bowl eligible. There's a lot of teams across the country right now that are sitting there with either three wins, four wins, or five wins that are fighting like crazy to get bowl eligible. Storied programs in college football. Uh, so I don't take for granted being bowl eligible. It's a it's a hell of an accomplishment uh, in year two with after nine games. But we should not. We can be happy about it, but none of us are, are – we better not be satisfied. We better still be hungry. There's a lot left to accomplish. Talked about it as a team this morning. The, the guys that came back this year for another year when they didn't have to, Zach Pickens, Javon Gwynn, whoever, I don't think they came back just to go – to a bowl you know I think they had higher expectations than that and let's try and be better than our last year last year our final our regular season record was six and six and and we'd surely uh like to be better than that this year but going to take a lot of work but the way we practiced today uh looked like a team that was not satisfied with just having six wins Shane you got a favorite Tom Petty song <laughs> um no uh, <laughs> he's got a lot of good ones and I guess the run defense has been not great maybe the last two weeks watching film and kind of reviewing some of that stuff what have been some of the biggest deficiencies in, in trying to stop the run I think going back to last week was just uh missed tackles honestly I mean when you miss tackles you give up explosive runs and um uh, we 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 uh, uh got out of misfit a couple gaps against Vanderbilt um for sure 
that we weren't where exactly where we needed to be, or we came in there with the proper, you know, the incorrect leverage or whatever it may be. And, um, and then a run spit out of there. But, you know, typically if you can fit the run the right way and at least tackle well, you, um, you're going to be pretty good from a run defense standpoint. And we weren't good enough last week at, at tackling and, and certainly misfit some runs, but I don't think it's something that's we're in uh, panic mode because we've been pretty good at it for the most part and, and, and handled some run games here leading up to that. We just have, we haven't been good enough the last couple of weeks or for, for sure. And this is a, a, a really big challenge this week, not just tackling their running backs who are talented, but it's a really, really physical offensive line and a unbelievable quarterback as well that if he gets rolling, you're not going to catch him. So we've got to really be sound and fit in the run and, and getting 11 hats to the ball. Hey. Anthony, you know, what has stood out about him on film and how does he kind of compare to some of the other guys you face? You know, your KJ Jeffersons and your Mike Wrights and all of that who yeah. caused problems for you this year. His size and I mean, where do you want me to start? His size stands out. His speed stands out. His arm strength stands out. He's a guy. I mean, you saw it against uh it was LSU. I mean, he had a 80-something yard touchdown run where guys are just literally bouncing off of him. And I don't know who all of their players and their 40 times and all that, but if, if they got anybody on that team faster than him, it's scary because he's so fast. He's so athletic. He's hard to bring down. But then he's just got unbelievable arm strength. I mean, he can make every throw on the field. And uh, he's, he's immensely talented. And there's a reason when you look at – um, some of the gurus out there and their draft projections and all that. There's a reason you see him as one of the, you know, top four or five quarterbacks in the uh, in the draft for whenever he comes out. So he's really really talented and he's got some great players around him also. All right, Shane Beamer. Some of what he had to say today. All of it's on our website, SportsTalkSC.com. Recruiting brought to you by Seawells. Don't forget the daily luncheon buffet at Seawells once again tomorrow, eleven to two. And for the best in the catering business, give them a call at 803-771-7385. USC involved with athlete Isaiah Johnson, 61175 of Richmond. Reco- uh, receiver, corner, and safety. They got on him after seeing highlights of a three-touchdown game. Torian Gray hit him up on Twitter, followed up with a phone call and with the offer. Very excited to get that offer from South Carolina. And they have uh, moved right into his top four. He um, thinks it's a big-time opportunity. He also has Wake Forest, Ohio, Duke, Michigan State, Virginia, East Carolina, Virginia Tech, Towson, and North Carolina offers. Right now, he plans to take an official to USC December 16th, one week after a visit to Virginia Tech. He's been to Virginia, Virginia Tech, North Carolina, and VMI for games this season. USC target defensive end tight end Nicholas Harbor has set December officials with LSU, Maryland, Miami, Over the first three weekends, according to Chad Simmons of On3, he has taken officials to USC and Michigan. USC target running back Khalifa Keith announced a decommitment from Kentucky. 2024 defensive end Dylan Stewart of Washington named USC as his favorite in a story by Chad Simmons. He has been to Penn State, Ohio State, and Michigan for games this season, and those three are also strong with him. There you go with the recruiting report. For tonight, USC and SC State halftime. Gamecocks are up 36-33. Chris, your quick impressions? 
Uh, like I said a few minutes ago, just settling for too many shots. I think South Carolina State's come out with a really good defensive game plan. Zone these guys because maybe we don't have the height that Carolina does. And Gamecocks haven't attacked the zone all that well. Gamecocks are shooting 34%. Bulldogs 43%. USC being led in scoring by Brown. He's got eight. And Hallams has ten for State. We'll have postgame for you on our website, sportstalksc.com. Thank you, Chris. Feel better? Yes, sir. Thank you, Pat. Feel better? I'm going to go dunk my head in a toilet somewhere, and we'll see you tomorrow night.